Welcome back to another episode of the Dr. Supercoach Podcast. You're on this week with JB, a later podcast because we've just gotten through our favorite night of football, Monday night footy. Uh, thank you, AFL. It's good for our viewing and our Supercoach, so appreciate that. More Monday games in the future, please. Mm. I'm joined this week by Pistol. How are you? I'm... I was feeling really good. Uh, it was nice, you know, opening up and checking my rank, and now we've just seen the fixtures being released, and now I'm feeling less good. <laughs> yeah, less good is a good way to explain it. It's it's up in the air at the moment. We're going to discuss all things fixtures, obviously, as they've just dropped. It's why we held off on recording a little bit longer. Uh, we've got some questions from Slack, and speaking of Patreon and Slack, do we have a couple more sign-ups there, Pistol? We do. We actually had a pretty decent week um, of sign-ups, which is awesome to see people getting on board. Um, thank you to Braden O'Connor, Daniel McMurray, uh, Sam Oxley, and Jacob Coombe. Uh, welcome aboard, and uh, yeah, enjoy your stay. <laughs> Can't leave now. <laughs> Okay, that's uh, so the last time I get you to go through that. Um, okay, well, great to have them in. Uh, a few of them straight into the Slack with the profile pictures and the banter, which we love to see. Um, one of them a bit, a bit too crazy upon entry. Uh, you know who you are. Yeah, big, a big entry. <laughs> <laughs> it was a big entry. Uh, Cancer Council, I heard we have a couple of donations that filtered through. Maybe... A couple of lost bets there. We should be able to filter those ones in. We have quite a few donations. A good week for the Cancer Council. So again, uh, appreciate all the donations. I'll say it in advance. So firstly, we have TP. And he says, uh, donating for a branded donut in round five. Donating for a Segler donut round seven. And uh, traded in Rankin and left him on the bench with no emergency. So I'm donating for dumb things. So <laughs> The old the, trifecta. The triple D. So appreciate that, TP. Um, Sydney, he says Sarong's number for just beating Buderix 42. So the background was he said he'd donate if Sarong um, couldn't beat Buderick, and I think he outscored him by one point. So kind, <laughs> kindly Sydney donated anyway, so do appreciate that. Um, next we have Tubbo. Um, he's donated for winning this week, beating TP because of TP's error. Um, with of the ranking and not um, putting yep. the E. So we got like a double donation from that. We got someone donating for winning against the person that donated for doing dumb things. So that's Team JB coming in. He would have definitely lost if Rankin's score came in. So I mean that's it's all around hilarious, which I appreciate. We've got Joe Mastika again. He says, "For now is the winter of our discontent." Uh, five times in a row some more Shakespeare appreciate you making me read that out Joe um, we have Mike Jovanovic I, I guessed it could I could have ruined that anyway he says forgo to put the emergency on Bunnell turning my easy league win into a down to the wire matchup rookie error that is a rookie error so donating for dumb things um, I appreciate that's a rookie again. error and a rookie error yes well done um, and lastly we've got BBQ Barbs, he says, I am donating out of the joy that Port Adelaide are rightfully top of the ladder once again. Gray is the GOAT. Hashtag Team JB for the win. Oh, wow, that's that's a nice message of him. Sounds like you donated and you wrote the message. No, no, it says BBQ Barbs there. Okay, I mean, sure. Anyway, um, 
JB, just some. We got to go through ranks and all that stuff before we jump into the fixtures. Firstly, um, just let me know when I can speak next. Yeah, I'm just going to keep going, but that's okay. So, actually, fine. You know what, JB? How did you go this week? Oh, you're wait. You're asking me. Yep. Oh my gosh, I've never been never been first on this segment. Okay, so I scored uh, just over twenty three oh three. McPherson tried to ruin that for me with about negative twenty scaling for some reason. Uh, but just trickled over, went up again in rank. So I'm up to 6K, which uh, considering in round, I think, 1 and 3, I was at 45K. Uh, I said to myself, at least get to top 10K for the year. Um, it's looking like I'm going to give top uh, 2 or 3K another shake this year. So it's been good by myself. I'm, I thought I was going to be letting down the podcast real early there, but um, some wise trading has, has brought me back into the mix. But all of it... Looks a little silly when you compare myself to yourself, Pistol. You're flying. <laughs> I'm having a decent season. Moved up this week to 217th overall. Um, so a, a big score this week, uh, 2377, helped out by Jack Steele um, in the last game of the round, going absolutely massive for me. Uh, I am excited about my rank, but I am a little less excited given uh, Mrs. Pistol's coming in at 43rd overall and... Um, giving me yeah i'm copying it a little bit at the moment so i just got to try and catch her but every week she seems to gain ground on me um so yeah that's that's a little bit interesting but gain ground on you she's she's making ground on you yeah she's getting further out of my reach uh which is unfortunate for myself i guess good for her and lastly uh a shout out to uh five dr super coach leagues in the top 10 so half of the top 10 is made up of leagues mostly from or if not all from our slack so uh, if you want to get involved in some i guess top tier banter and tips and discussion super coach definitely check out our patreon and jump in to the slack madness jb done all of the housekeeping fixture time it's just been announced that there are going to be six buys four in round 10 Two in round 11. The teams in round 10 are Fremantle, West Coast, Hawthorne, and Carlton. In round 11, the buyers are Sydney and GWS. Tell me your early thoughts and how are we going to manage this as Supercoach players? Um, thank you for my hosting chair back. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, okay, well, you've, you've jumped ahead. I had about seven more things to say, but we'll, we'll head into what you were, you were going with here. That's fine. Um, so, I, yeah, I am so the host the- after all. <laughs> Apparently so. Uh, I, I want to see your intro to the podcast uh, next next week. So, um, as you said, the four teams that have the round ten buy, and I, I suppose what's been widely discussed discussed so far is that with these teams having the first of what's going to be a league round buy, which goes over, I think they said six weeks. Um, which players should we start avoiding? So. Um, the initial thoughts is that Melbourne and Essendon have had their buy, so maybe they're the teams that we go for. Um, the counter thoughts are that they're going to be playing four games, uh, sorry, one game every four days. They might be resting. So we've got a lot to dissect here, Pistol, and you've asked my initial thoughts. I actually, I don't I don't know if there's a great way to really plan for this because there, there will be restings, and I don't want to make any trades or lack of trades or trading one guy over another with the, the thought in the back of my mind that he might be rested. So what I'm going to do 
is, and th- this is all up for discussion with you, of course, because we're pretty much reacting to this as we're seeing it, because it's just dropped um, as of 10 minutes ago. My initial thoughts are that players that play their buy or are coming off their buy are still in risk of being rested, especially players with an, a strong history of soft tissue injuries. So I'm still reluctant to really jump on or off of players that have had that injury history. If Fife was fit at the moment and bottoming out, I I would not be trading him in, for example. Um, Josh Kelly, if he bottoms out in a couple of weeks, I won't be looking at him either. So I think those players are a real worry considering the amount of injuries we've already seen thus far. Um, I suppose before we get into the real nitty-gritty, I don't want to talk too long and leave you with eight questions to answer all at once. What are your first reactions to players who might have either soft tissue injury or might be getting a little old or might be just a little too young to keep up with the potential of four games, four, uh, four days between matches and the potential of either being rested or it, it could be it could be a worst case scenario and Sicily might you know spend a quarter every game up forward to get him some rest so there are so many I don't want to throw crazy ideas out there that make people want to delete their team but there are so many things at play right now I just want to hear your your raw thoughts on specifically players that are, have soft tissue injury history Taylor Adams and Trill all come up straight away for my for mine um, and just avoiding them in this whole carnage round Kind of year. Mm. So, I guess for me, we see that I'm just going to take what we've what we know right now, which is there's going to be four rounds, and they're going to be played on average every, you know, we'll say five days, um, mm-hmm. and that's and we've got these locked in buys, and like that's the information that we know. So I'm not going to speculate on what's going to happen in the next set of fixtures um, because yep. we don't we don't really know. When I heard there was going to be you know, six teams with a bye, I assumed it would be evenly spread out. Um, I don't know why, but, you know, that's that just proves that uh, we can't guess these type of things. You know, we wouldn't have picked four in one round and two in the other. Um, so I look at it straight away, and my gut feel originally was, oh, I'll just target the players coming off their bye. So if I don't have a Crips, you know, I'll get him at the end of round 10. Um, if I don't have a Titch, I'll get him at the end and I was like well at least for my upgrade targets that I want to get in ASAP so my Bailey Smith for example I'm like well he doesn't have a buy so he's going to be safe to get and then I've got this devil on my other shoulder and says hold up can Bailey Smith play every five days in the midfield um is he going to cop a rest I mean we've seen Bulldogs play about 40 players from their list this season so will he actually be given a buy um, by Bevo and you know have a rest one of these these games and then later on in the season he has a forced AFL buy and then he's ends up missing two games and are the season uh, later in the season are the games going to be in you know a short time frame or are they not in which case this is a real chance where these are the only rounds where players are randomly rested because uh, there's a condensed fixture so it's hard to know exactly what the right thing to do is because we only have such a small subset of information. And that to me means that I kind of feel like pressing the reset button on all of my original thoughts and it's kind of just goes back to do I think the player is a good pick? Yes or no. Do they have a good fixture coming up? Yes or no. And just keep it at that base level of instinct on whether or not to trade in players. Okay, so let's start going through... 
Uh, just a little bit of a, a checklist in, in saying what would make you not want to trade in a player now, having been given this news of buyers approaching, etc. So I first want to start by saying if your player is healthy and between the ages of 20 and 28, I don't think you should be avoiding trading them in or out because of potential rest, even if their coach sort of says that they might be resting players. I just... Like if we start jumping at shadows like that, where does it end? We we end up not making any trades through this entire period. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So like I, I feel like we should start by saying that if you're looking at a player who's you know had a, a good bill of fit, fitness and health in their career thus far, they're between the age of twenty and twenty eight. I'm not talking about Shannon Honey's you know a big a big rest risk. Um, more so the players that we we can be confident with playing every week. Otherwise, even even without the buys and the the limited time between games and just saying that we shouldn't be talking ourselves out of these players based on what we've found out so far. Um, next, I'd like to just talk about what we'd actually do, or what we'd think about a player um, that would help us rule them in or out of um, trading contention. So um, I started earlier by saying soft tissue injury history and um, a lot of it is something that I would avoid in players um having a look at my team i've got Stephen hill and Benel, so that's great but assuming we're speaking about just premiums and and upgrading here um so that that obviously would be a huge flag for yourself what what would be another really big flag red flag to say is it the fact that they're coming up to their buy in two or three weeks time or is it the fact that they don't have their buy what's the What's the factor for you that's making you think, all right, I don't want to trade this person in for this reason if it's not soft tissue related? Can I start off with like a super controversial pop statement? Yeah, go for it. Absolutely. Ruckman that are at peak price. <laughs> so okay. specifically, uh, I'm just thinking about Max Gorn playing every five days. And I feel like just like we saw in the preseason... Luke Jackson might ruck for a half and Max Gorn might play forward for a half um, just so he doesn't get burnt out over that you know four-match stretch. And if that's going to happen, I think we're going to cop one bad score from Gorn across those matches and then you know a price plummet. And I'm thinking of all the poor people that don't already have Max Gorn and they're bringing him in now and he's going to have to play all these games in quick succession. And I'm thinking, is it worth it? Okay. Uh, no, I like where your head's at. It's definitely controversial because um, it's actually a hot topic as well, considering a lot of people are looking to trade Pitnet out this week. Um, what's the alternative option you'd offer people like this? I mean, I know someone like Riley O'Brien typically plays 100% game time and is a bit of a has a bit of a tank to, to get around the ground a lot and is the type of player that you wouldn't really expect to be rested, I suppose. Um, I don't want to jinx anyone, but is, would you be looking to an alternative like him? Play, players can't keep Pitnet in their sides. I mean, Riley O'Brien's got Gorn, Grundy, and Goldie in a row. <laughs> like That's <laughs> well, that's <laughs> not a great fixture in terms of trying not to be run off your feet. If you're playing against those players you know, every five days, I'm, I've got serious concerns about any Ruckman, you know, playing their position. I mean, I'm, I'm not suggesting, you know, holding Pitney as well because I don't think he'll be able to play in that quick succession. So it's kind of like if you're going to cop a poor score from a Ruckman, you know, obviously Max Gorn's poor score is going to be better than Pitney's poor score. But it's also, you have to take into account the value of the Ruckman and how much they're going to drop in price. 
Um, and then on the other hand, it might just be something completely out of your hands, out of your control, unpredictable, and you may as well just get you know the best player in the game while you can get the best player in the game. I do enjoy you arguing against your first point here, Pistol, but um, I think okay, this is this is this is a difficult podcast, by the way. I just want everyone to know that <laughs> we are operating in <laughs> strange circumstances. If we weren't already for the year, we're now trying to react to something that has never happened in Supercoach in a quick manner, but also in an educated manner. I don't I don't want to say one thing and then listen back to it and think. Uh, I was just trying to fill time there by by saying this, and now it becomes something else, sort of thing. So, I'm trying to pick my answers carefully. So, Max Gorn, I I personally, if I did not have him in my side, would still be trading him in in a heartbeat over any other option this week or how, whenever, whatever week it is that you find the money. Um, if we're predicting a drop of any player, then we could be predi- predicting a drop from every player. Yeah. So. I think it will largely depend on how Supercoach goes about this change in terms of what um, game mechanic changes Supercoach will introduce. If they're going to do best of 18 just for rounds 10 or maybe for 10 and 11 because there's you know two teams for the round 11 by, or if they do best 18 for this whole um, period Stretch. because we don't know which rookies will be drops. I'm uh, not drops, rested, I should say, which premiums could be rested. You know, there could be five premiums a week rested for all we know and then they're going to say oh you need 22 players because it's not an official buy round like we we it might you know screw everybody so it's potentially uh, i don't know they they might have more trades and if we have let's say three trades a week kind of like what afl fantasy are doing where there's no seasonal cap and just three trades every week i feel like you could play a stock market game and you could bring in gone this week and then you know trade him out um if he's if you think he's going to cop a rest or has a bad matchup and or get somebody after their break um, and kind of just play the market a little bit. Oh God, um, you're you're it, you're killing me here. Yeah, I think you could. I think you could get very creative depending on which way Supercoach goes to try and um, alleviate the stress on the players um, throughout this period of games, and that's why this whole thing is so difficult because we're trying to predict the right answer for a question that we don't yet know. <laughs> okay, I, I'm going to pivot for a second here and we'll revisit that. Um, I want to I ask you a, a basic question and I don't expect a basic answer because I'm asking you the question and you're not asking me. <laughs> um, so if you had a Fremantle, West Coast, Hawthorne or Carlton player traded in this week... Um, and you can obviously still reverse trade. So it's what you plan on doing this week with the knowledge that in two weeks time, they're having a buy. Are you avoiding that player now? See, that's a tough question. So I would be avoiding Doherty because I don't know if he would get through the games in quick succession coming from back from two ACLs. Um, I think most people have Doherty though. So, Sicily is the one that comes to mind, given he's got a really low break even. Um, so Sicily, pe- Luke Ryan is another one um, that people yeah, so might be targeting. These- Tom Mitchell and Patrick Cripps are two others. So I guess they're a little different. So that's that's a good point, though, because Sicily and Ryan have really low break even, so they're going to rocket up in price. So if you don't get them now, you're going to be paying a heck of a lot more for them you know, after their buy. However, Cripps and Titch are going to be dropping in price by a lot. Um, so... 
I wouldn't. I yeah. So my my as I said, my <laughs> it's tough because my my gut feel is saying, oh, just trade them in after the buy. Um, but yeah, I don't think there's a defender that's better than Sicily and Ryan that either doesn't have the buy or doesn't have the buy and doesn't have a chance of being rested. Like if I look at the top defenders, Lloyd has a buy in round 11. Haynes has a buy in round 11. Then we've yep. got Maynard who plays for Collingwood. I actually think Maynard will play all the way through. So that's kind of shifts my perspective a little bit. He is expensive. We've got Doherty who's got a buy. Callum Mills who's got a buy. Uh, Sicily who's got a buy. So this is already the top six defenders where only one doesn't have a buy. And then we've got Caleb Daniel, who I think is in danger of... I mean, he, he should play, but Bulldogs have such a large squad and they're rotating through All right, um, let me stop players. you, let me stop you, let me stop you. The thing that I don't want to fall into the trap of is thinking that players and coaches and teams are going to be more prone to resting than others and thus avoiding those options because of those thoughts. Because we're, we're going into a tunnel with no lights on and we're, we're just completely blind. We're, yeah. we're going into this completely blind. And if we start predicting restings, not even injuries, but to injury-prone players, but players getting rested because of the team that they're on or the role that they play or the coach that they have, I think that that's a slippery slope into avoiding a lot of players out there. I, I, I think Clark, totally Clark agree, is but... just in da- as much in danger of throwing the magnets around that Bevo is. And we're talking about Sicily as well here. So... Like I, I just would prefer not to avoid players based on whether we think they might be rested because that that's like opening Pandora's box right there. Yeah, but at the same time, if people are coming trying to listen to get, I guess, our opinions, like I'm, I'm of the opinion personally that there will be restings. So if I'm taking into account you know yeah, what? You don't what know I who think. will be rested. No, I, I don't know who will be rested. But I, that's that's so to answer the, your original question about I'm going to be talking about Sicily versus Caleb Daniel. If I had to get one of them this week, personally, because I think that there's a likelihood of Daniel, you know, copping a rest or, you know, something because something changing because of that limited time um, between matches in terms of it could be his role or whatever it might be, it makes me feel like it doesn't matter if you pick Sicily up now this week, even though he's got a buy in two weeks. Like it doesn't bother me that he's got that buy. So I feel like everyone's going to have either a bad game or um, a rested game. And yes, you said try not to do that. But if Sicily cops his buy now and then gets through this period unscathed, there's no guarantee that there's going to be condensed games for the rest of the season. So he might then not have a bad score for the rest of the season. Whereas I'd be worried about Caleb Daniels might have a bad score during this set of games because of the short shortened um condensed fixtures and then he has to have a buy again at the end of the season so for me it kind of balances out um and i I just feel like it doesn't really matter if they've got a buy like if you're trading him in this week i guess it would matter to me though if it was one round like if he had the buy if if this was round nine buys i probably wouldn't trade in sicily but round 10 it's a two-week you know these um prices are changing and his break even's already low so if you get two weeks of him's price rocketing um so i don't think i'd wait till round 10 and have to buy him for like 60k more than his current price um so i don't think i would hesitate getting him now even though he has a buy in two weeks which might be sound a bit controversial 
No, so I I agree with a lot of it, and I, I think you're a little bit off with the reasoning behind Caleb Daniel, but if we just ignore that for a second, the the prioritizing of money is still extremely important this year, and we can't just have tunnel vision and, and say, oh, that guy's going to buy in two weeks. You're going to have two price rises, as you said, in that time, and that is important. And then with the, the confidence that they know that they're coming up to a buyer, so you doubt he'll be rested before. And then coming off fresh afterwards, it's anyone's guess as to whether he gets injured, rested, or whatever. But we don't know. We can't we can't even make a guess on that. So I think Sicily is still the right option to get in. But by saying, you know, Caleb Daniel plays four games in 20 days and is at potential of being rested... That that's not the reason. The reason is still that I'm trying to make the most money and trying to make the best decisions. And you know he's going to play the next two weeks. If you like, you said if it was the coming week that he had to buy, and you were trading him in, knowing that he'd only play fifty percent of the next two rounds, that's where it becomes a bit troublesome. And you know maybe you can miss one twenty k price rise and, and get him after his buy. But coming two rounds into it, I, I think Sicily and. Other players that are bottomed out coming up to their round ten buy are still perfect trade-ins for the week. But even if you say to me he might he was not going to be arrested, Caleb Daniel, you still have to take into account player fatigue. Like that's definitely going to happen. We don't know exactly how it's going to affect yeah, but him. I, I don't know to... Caleb Daniel's tank. Like I don't know how it, yeah. it, we could be talking about the, one of the fittest guys in the league, and we would guess him because he's got four games in twenty days. He might he might be you know fine with that. Yeah, I just but think like we, it's just so unknown that how can we possibly factor in any of it? No, we we don't. But I mean, we're doing our best to provide educated yeah, yeah, guesses. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I, I think logically, you would assume that players will be more fatigued, and maybe skill will be down, or whatever it might be. We might see higher variance between player scores as well. Um, you know, if the fatigue leads to worse disposal or whatever it might be, um, we don't know. But it's something I'd still take into account. I guess a better question for you, JB, is if it's confirmed that let's say there's top 18 scores count across the next four weeks, does that factor in which player you would get between Sicily and Daniel? No. I, no, I don't think so. I'm, uh... <laughs> so I feel like you get away if, if there's a best 18. Like, I mean, firstly, you have to make sure you're not going to cop a donut over round 10 because there's four four teams that are copying a buy yeah, yeah. so assuming that you're not going to cop a cop a donut do you then take the player that's got like a higher ceiling to to try and shark better scores in your best 18 or do you pick somebody that's more consistent and, and probably plays an extra game um because I mean, are we talking about like overall ranking or just league because if we're talking about league then I'm, i'll take the guy who is consistent and plays the next four games no but- overall in overall case, then I'm I'm going to take the guy who I think averages more. Yeah, because because I guess it's which I think is Sicily. You know, it's not. I guess the equation is going to end up being Sicily for three games plus a rookie for one game versus Caleb Daniel for four tired games, um, and trying to see how that kind of works out. I, I think it's an interesting point. Um, wait, wait, are we are we yeah. assuming here that? I mean, the thing that might tip me towards Sicily as well is Caleb Daniel is going to have a buy at some point this season. Yes. He has to. And the it's probably a 90% chance that he's having a buy in a 20-game in four-week bloody situation as well. Is it? But 
And I well, think it's been that, that's the thing. That's the thing, though. Like, if it's not, then we might be turning down a tired Caleb Daniel for three games of Sicily and then a, a buyless Sicily for the rest of the season and potentially not fatigued Sicily playing this tight stretch of games. That's what I said earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... <laughs> Uh, right, if that's what you said earlier and you failed to explain it well oh, enough for, for the basic person to understand it, which I'm calling myself basic there for you so you don't have to do it behind my back, then... I wouldn't do that okay. behind your back. But, but yeah, you more, that is what you're I was more prefaced it by saying that Caleb Daniel had the potential to get rested, which I don't think he does. Look, I've I said a lot of things game. on this podcast, Yeah, we'll JB. both said a lot of things. <laughs> okay, we're both, we're both trying to sort through it, but... I think the moral is, before we get start getting into Patreon questions, because I don't want to talk for an hour about things that are somewhat out of our control. The moral of the story is, I don't think we have to do much restructuring to our thoughts with the buy rounds coming up, besides the fact that soft tissue injury players and aging players like yeah. Shannon Hearn, for example, Zorko. are an absolute no-go. And Zorko, and players that you, you think are even a 20% chance of being rested, you, you just don't want to risk at the moment um besides yeah. that however I th- I think JB, essentially were counterpoint to that if we Uh-oh. get three trades a week unlimited like afl fantasy then do you risk with the soft tissue players you know the ones with the high ceiling that could go ping at any time because it doesn't matter really if they get injured because you just trade them out then <clears throat> yeah but then you have a 50 on your your field that week oh you might not they might get through it <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, I don't think I do. I don't think under any circumstance I'm trading in players with injuries. I, I, I won't own Josh Kelly or Nat Fife for the rest of the season. I can say that with confidence. Fife? But no it's chance. Fife. Yeah, but Fife, in their situation, can do exactly what he did last well, two weeks ago, whatever it was, and play half-half and you know end up scoring, what do you call that week, 85? He had like 60 at halftime. Yeah, yeah. It can it can just happen with Fife. He's in that unfortunate circumstance where if he has any sort of injury concern, he's just parked forward probably for the next game and a half. And it's just I, I can't risk that. If they if, if Fremantle have that many games in that shortened time and Fife is fit and playing, there's no chance I, I watch a Fremantle game. I, um, I, I'd be hiding behind the couch. I just I wait after the fixtures stop being condensed and then trade him in if there's unlimited trades or whatever it is just because he's... You know, ceiling so high going yes, for overall. Yeah, but in that, in that case, yeah. we'll have to wait and see on what's uh, to come from Supercoach and what changes we make. Um, it's going to be. I feel sorry for them already um, with you know the announcement that you know games pretty much go from a Monday to a Sunday, and then the next Monday is a new round. So I'm really summarizing. It's not like that at all. But it's the next day is a brand new round. Just being able to get people's get teams announced to make sure people have enough time to react to injuries before their players are locked out. Um, it's going to be complete madness, JB. I think an underrated factor is team announced. Teams won't be announced during the same round. So, for example, if, if a round starts and you have somebody um, kick off on a Wednesday, you know, you're not going to know the Sunday matches teams at all, like their final teams at all before the first nope. match is played, even you know when the second match is played. So if you had a rookie in one of those sides, you don't know if you have cover, you don't know if you've got unnecessary donuts, you can't use your DPP flexibility because some players may have locked out already. I mean, we're already kind of seeing that this week with Buderick 
playing in the first match of the rounds. Like he's going to be locked out on the Thursday. But imagine not knowing the teams for the rest of the round. And I have to choose right now if I'm going to play Bailey Smith in my forward line, if I'm going to play him in the midfield without knowing who's playing for the rest of my side. Like I could be copying an unnecessary donut. Um, crazy. That's a nightmare. Um, I hope that does happen in the, the 18, best 18. I, I hope that, I kind of hope they do best 18 for every week. Because the restings and the the loopholes and everything like that could really, like the the lack of team announcements and stuff like that could really hurt coaches. And I think casuals will lose a lot of their passion for it if they start getting locked out of games and stuff like that, or you know not not able to make their trades or locked out of specific players because it's all happening so fast. So they don't want to you know make things you know make decisions too prematurely before they before they know all the information. Um, so I mean, I imagine trading in someone on the on the Thursday because there's a Thursday night game, and then they're they're playing on the Monday, and it turns out that they're rested for that week, and it's a premium, and all of a sudden now you've got 17 for the round. Like that that would be difficult to deal with. So, um, I can I just say though, a huge huge credit goes to AFL specifically for still keeping footy on and keeping it so we're interested and in, and we have all these new challenges to go and for Supercoach um, for rolling with the punches because like as as frustrating as it is and as scary as this next X amount of weeks is going to be this is something brand new that we've never experienced before and you and I I know we're pulling our hair out during the podcast trying to answer these questions for everyone so they best understand but it's also exciting because you know this it's just brand new it's something that we haven't gone through before and um, it's going to be fun to see how we come out of the other side and, and just sort of reminisce on this entire year pretty much. So a credit to everyone who's put everything together to do with football and Supercoach because, I mean, I'd be very bored if we didn't have this. So I'll just flick one final question about this before we... Uh, but Totally, I echo your thoughts and sentiments, but uh, before we jump into the Slack questions, if you had to choose between having three trades a week, unlimited, no cap, or... Best 18, not a combination of both for this uh, example. Would you be leaning towards the the best 18 every week or would you lean towards... Um, so I should have explained that better. The best 18 is still two trades a week with a cap or would you go three trades a week, no cap? No, I think best 18. Um, like we've said multiple times this podcast, we don't know how the next... Um, five, six, seven rounds are going to play out and they might be back to normal. So I'd rather not have the, the three trades, no cap for the rest of the season um, when things might be back to normal then anyway. And if we just tough out this next um, few rounds and it all comes all the way back around, then you know it might it might be fine. If we got best 18 or throughout, most things would stay the same and then um, you know, would come out the other side fine and finish our upgrades and, you know, get into the pointy end. Yeah, I, I feel like if it's best 18, you're essentially giving yourself, you know, you can cop four donuts and not take too much of a hit. Um, and that is probably what's going to happen during the rounds. And even if we get three trades, I'm sure there's going to be more chaos than three trades. And it's a nice thought. And, you know, obviously it becomes a bit more frantic. And um, I think people like the feeling that they then have control of their side, but I, I can guarantee people with their three trades will be trying to get bench cover, which ends up not being named or not being dropped, and people will get sour um, over how it's handled, I guess. over that, That's my prediction of what will happen in that time, um, and it'll just be basically 
more chaotic and more mess with the yes. three trades a week rather than Absolutely. just the best 18. I, I guess it's worse for people who are further behind because there's less variance in scores and it might be harder to gain ground, but also it's only for a short period of time, at least so far that we know. Um, and I think that might just, I guess, settle the game. And obviously it's still then a strategy game of trying how can you finish your team with the limited amount of trades that you have left um, because, you know, that's a challenge in itself this year. So then there's still more strategy and you can still gain an upper hand on, on people. Um, but anyway, let's touch on some Slack questions this week, JB. Yep. I want to start before I actually ask a question. There's a lot of questions about Parker and he's sort of just thrown into a lot of questions as a, an option to get in this week or next. Um, given the fixtures that we now see, he does have a buy, which as we've been saying, is quite okay. Um, but surrounding that is a potential DeBoer tag um, and also a Collingwood game who um, don't enjoy giving up midfield points to their opposition. Is probably going to be a, a quite a decent victory for Collingwood there as well. Sorry, Sydney fans. So um, can we start by saying that Parker probably isn't our most or top three most recommended player um, going into this week? <laughs> I came into the podcast... I mean, right before the fixtures are announced, thinking Parker is my number one midfield target trade. I have him traded into my team. I have to reverse it. (laughs) I'm not even kidding. I I was like, look, it looks good. Uh, Last year without JPK, he averaged 133. You know, he's had really good scores this season. And then I see, oh, he's got a buy and then DeBoer tag in a row. And I'm like, oh, that's unfortunate. Um, JB, I... I think if he's the only Sydney player, I think he can still excel. Um, yeah, look, I would say I'm I'm much less confident and much less comfortable, and he's not my number one trading option anymore. But I do think that he still can be a good pick. I, There's I a world where after yeah. this period, he's you know still averaging 120. But is it worth risking it, considering there are literally? 30 midfielders that you could convince me on top eight status. Well, that's like, the thing, is it, yeah. Is it really worth going for a DeBoer tag and a buy and Collingwood all three games in a row when there are so many other guys who could replicate his form and you know potentially do it better over the next month? It's just not worth it, in my opinion. Yeah, it's, I, it's hard for me to argue against that, JB. <laughs> okay, well, having said that, that's going to factor into a lot of our questions especially if people give us options we can now say uh, we've already spoken about Parker so um, sorry I'll start with Bex he says how much would you sacrifice to go Pitnet into Gorn Um, for example for going uh, Baslenka this week and Parker next week to get Gorn versus going um, Riley O'Brien and um, Bailey Smith this week so Pretty much saying, should he give up on an upgrade this week and going double upgrade? I mean, we know who Rob's coming Ruckman <laughs> are, but let's just assume he's talking about the next best. Um, or would you just, at all costs, get Gorn in this week? Oof, great question. Um, I'd lean towards... Look, the, the value's not there with Gorn, but you get the captaincy, and I think that's huge. Um, so for me, I would probably be doing Pitney to Gorn. However... If there are super coach changes that do say that there's going to be, um, I guess it depends on what the changes are that come out. I can see a world in which Gorn isn't the best trading option for you this week, Bex. Um, but as things as we currently know it and how they stand, I would be taking him above the other option of um, Robin, Baz, Bailey yep. Smith. 
I agree. Um, I'm going to ask the next one. Liam G, can Dude become a top eight defender this year? Um, I watched that game and every game that the Crows have played this year. Uh, it looked like he struggled to find his feet early. Um, two poor scores in his first three, and I was getting extremely worried about my decision to trade him in. Um, the last three weeks have been amazing, though. Like He's been there number one player by a, a large margin. Um, it showed with captaincy this week. I think the only thing that could possibly hold him back from challenging for top eight, not top six defender status, but top eight defender status, uh, is the potential of injury. Uh, I think he's. I think he looks really good this season and has the Jordan Ridley perfect role for, for scoring points this year, it seems. Defenders I don't like in general. <laughs> I don't. No. I hate overpaying for defenders, uh, particularly when a lot of the time it feels like some average players are at the top of that leaderboard. And if you can pay a little bit for somebody that is pushing um, the averages of the top 10, uh, then I would take the value where it presents. Um, I don't feel super confident that Dude will be a look a, a top pick. I'm talking like, top five um but if you have to throw a dart between fifth and tenth i think dude can fall within somewhere within that category and because it's so much cheaper it's 100k cheaper than most of these other options um so you're thinking about trading him in potentially this week so i know liam g's team (laughs) um and he doesn't have dude and wants to know if he should trade him in okay so i guess that's the context behind that question Yep. Um, okay, that's kind of that's a little bit different. It I, is I different. was thinking. What do I was you thinking, think? Then? Yeah, I mean, I was thinking he had due day and should he be, you know, thinking or allocating two trades to an upgrade there, or should he just be comfortable with having him in his team? Trading him in. Um, do you know his price? Is it about four four twenty? Yeah, four thirty three. Oh my gosh! What a guess. Um, okay, so. Yeah, I mean, if if you have confidence in him like we did with Ridley early, um, earlier than a lot of people, then absolutely I, I would trade him in. Uh, do I have that confidence? I kind of do. After seeing him the last three weeks, I, I kind of do. I think it would take... Um, even in the games that Crows will get flogged in, it's it's going to be in his wheelhouse. All they need is any sort of pressure from their midfield, which is actually kind of asking quite a lot from them. Um, for them to bomb it in, and Duda is just that that marking tool every single time. Used the ball well, uh, t- took a lot of kickings as well on the weekend. Yeah, I, I kind of I do like Duda as a trading option. That's crazy. I, I did. Um, he asked me last week if you should trade him in at three eighty eight k, and I was like, nah. <laughs> so <laughs> no, I I, fair that. enough though. He, he, no, but he only had two decent games in a row, and then he started this week. I think he was on like eight at quarter time, and. Um, something silly at halftime. I think he was only in the twenties at halftime. So you were looking like a genius until he had like a seventy-five point quarter in the third. You always look like good. a genius until you're not a genius, though. So exactly. Um, Rowan Marshall, not the actual Rowan Marshall, just just Marshall, I think, um, is asking about VC loop options this week with Grundy gone and Neil tied up. Are we talking about that Thursday, or do you want to discuss that a little bit now? Uh, we can talk about it on the Thursday podcast, I think. 
Okay. Well, sorry about that, Marshall, but your question is not important enough for Pistol tonight. Yep. Um, Barbecue Bahavs wants to know the best value mid-upgrades this week. Under 550K, he does mention Parker, who we've spoken about. Bontempelli, Gaff, McCluggage, Crips, etc. So uh, this is a pretty shocking list. There's a reason these guys are 550K and under. Um, Parker, we've discussed. Bontempelli, I'm slowly getting confidence again in Bont. Um, he's gone through some of the tougher tags in the game already. Um, seeing Dustin Martin get through a McDonald tag with ease and, and Bont having scored 40 against him is not ideal. I think Bont is probably the most taggable, easily taggable players in the comp. So he has that going against him. Uh, can you speak to me about Gaff? I, I'm yeah. not actually quite sure what's going on with him. He was yeah. tagged a few times in a row and then he was just awful this week. Well, I mean, he still scored 90, which I know he was I'm awful. I'm shocked he scored 90. He, he was awful, but he still scored 90. And at the end of the day, you know, I, I kind of do care about the points. Um, he scores... <laughs> Like, his, his three last games have been poor. He scored an 83 with a tag, a 67 with a tag, and a 90 with not really a tag. That's not that bad. Like, it's bad, but it's... There wasn't a tag on the weekend, though. He's 517k with a break-even of 151 against Collingwood. I mean, I, I wouldn't bring him in this week, but he's going to be about 480 with the potential to average 110 on the run home. I think he could be good value... Um, it just feels bad seeing him cop so much attention. Um, you know, the funny thing is with him, I was looking at players that have played, you know, 100% time on ground. He pretty much plays 100% time on ground every game. <laughs> doesn't even get a doesn't even get a rest to try and escape the tag. He's like, I'll just run through this. Um, yeah, I I feel like he's somebody that I would have more conf- confidence in than a, a lot of the players that you've mentioned similarly around his price. I mean, I'd still pick Bontempelli over him. Yeah, I like Cripps. I worry. I, I very much worry about how he's going to go with all these games in the short spurts. I, I don't really feel super confident in it. But I would pick. I probably would pick Gaff above any of the West Coast mids. Is that a fair statement? Above the West Coast, did you say? Yeah. So above Tim Kelly and Yo and Shuey, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I think Gaff would be the number one option. So. I think if I had an extra 10k, I could probably do more damage with that question. But the way it stands, I mean, I'd wait a week. I mean, oh, actually, you know what? Duncan, he's just missed with a soft tissue injury. He satisfies an old man and soft tissue injury risk, JB. However, he's going to... Was he 28? He's older. Um, If he falls down to (laughs) about 480k, does he... He's kind of had a rest, I guess, in a way. Called I'd be injury. getting him in. You would be getting... But it goes against your rules. I'm not sure he's that old. I don't think he's older... I don't think he's as old as what you think. Okay, well, I'm going to Google it, and I will tell you in about two minutes. Uh, he's, two minutes? That's how long... He's I'm 29. Right now. He's 29. Okay, 29. I mean... That's pretty old. That's not 30. I mean, he's, okay. he's only 29 a month ago. He's, he's 28 in one month. 13 months what <laughs> 28 28 and 13 months that's young it's a weird way to count time but anyway um well i i said it goes from ages 20 to 28 so he's 28 and 13 months yeah, that's what i'm going I don't with know if that works. So, so he he's he didn't even do a hamstring role? though i mean he didn't really even do a hamstring i thought they, they rest him this week with a groin injury 
I mean, he was fit, though. They could have played him. They just gave him that extra week. Okay. And that, he could have come back on that game, they said. So, okay, so he's locked into your side. Um, I think some central. other options, if I had an extra 10K. Um, how about this one, JB? Completely outside the box here. Jared Lyons last year finished the year after the buys with 117 Supercoach average. Um, from, I think it was like off the top of my head, like round 10, he averaged, I think, 114 onwards. So he had a really slow start and then a big end to the season. He's pretty much continued this year um, where he left off last year. He's averaging 109, but he's only had two sub-tons. But not just that, he's only had two scores under 114, and they were a 92 and an 88, so not even bad scores. What's he priced that? He's 559. In one oh, percent wow. of teams, so he's not expensive. I mean, yeah, I think I think Lions is the best pick out of all of those. Well, there we go. He, it's crazy. He's in. He's not in any teams. He won't get the tag above McLuggage or Neil. Um, so he has free reign every week to just go and get the ball. And, and, and he is they doing play it. quite a few home games. They will play a lot of home games given and COVID. And his, his home game was pretty much metric on anyway, considering he played for Gold Coast too. So he should be comfortable in, in both Queensland grounds. Yeah, they've just come off playing Port Adelaide, Geelong, and GWS as well. So I know, like Lions. Yeah, they've knocked off some big teams. He's a really strong, I think, POD um, this week. But, you know, if you could afford... Then you know it's it's tough when you're paying five fifty nine because then it's like well what if I were to pay you know five eighty or you know for Jack Steele or you kind of get into that realm of you know what if I do this um, but I do okay, I do draw think, the line somewhere yeah you got to draw the line somewhere <laughs> but I think he's a really strong and underrated candidate okay well the next question is Wushka and he's asking of Steele Adams Greenwood Danger and Clayton Oliver um, which two are you going with. I'm going to start here, and I'm going to immediately rule out Adams because he is a soft tissue injury magnet. Yep. All right. I'll um, roger that. So that that gives you Steel, Greenwood, Danger, and Oliver. Which two are you picking of the five? The four, sorry. I mean, Greenwood is a mid and a forward. So if you need a midfielder forward to finish your forward line, like you can't get better than Greenwood at the moment. Uh, True. So I guess... He, I'm pretty sure GWS play them soon. He, he's not a chance for a tag, is he? No, he'll be the one tagging DeBoer. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, it's a great question. I I have Steel personally and I have Greenwood, so I'm feeling a little bit of bias um, no, I would, in I would my answers. Those two. But I think those two. I would go those two unless you think Clayton Oliver not having a buy for the entirety of the season from now is more important than um, someone who's in form like Steele. Yeah, I think um, that's probably... Who was the other option? Dangerfield. <laughs> oh, Dangerfield. Gee, we've, He's not a we've bad option either. <laughs> o- omitted the person with the, uh, the third highest five-round average um, in the game. Uh, no regrets. Jeez. Well, Dangerfield's um, Marshall... 600k, so I don't know. It's, it's a bit more. Yeah, it's 50k I, I more than Greenwood. I don't really like Dangerfield. Okay. He's, he's old anyway. He he's old. He, I thought he's like, <laughs> isn't he 28 and like 42 months? <laughs> Something like that. Um, Marshall asks, which rookies are best downgrade options this week? Uh, is it too late on rookies with one price rise? Now, 
Um, this applies to me because I'm in a bit of a situation here where I thought Bailey Smith um, points on field would be better than Simpson um, by enough that um, I would hopefully make up what people made up in price on their double downgrade and yada, yada, yada. Long story short, I lost points and money on that trade. So I'm considering trading in Simpson this week considering they now have a million injuries and um, he's probably got the best job security in the world. Um, but that's because all the other rookies are so bad this week. Um, there are pretty much three standouts, and all of them are of an inflated price. We're talking about Simpson, Sam Mays, and Egmelie's Smith. Uh, wait, is it Smith? Uh, yeah, it is. Cool. Um, where, are we, where are we going with these? Uh, are we paying up for these guys, or are we why trying you, to pick why up a, saying, de- a debutant? Or? Why are they the only options? What about McPherson? What about McKay? Like, there's there's a bunch of options. Okay, P- put McPherson in there as well. McKay's, I mean, he's not a great option, but let's, you know. What about Will Day? He has to be... He's like 250k. He's 193k. So, um, I think this week, Simpson, if you don't have him, he's still a good option because he's going to make you at least 100k. He's probably going to make you 60k this week. Selwood's injured. Gaz has gone back. Clark is injured. They're playing all these games in a short time frame, but the guy's 25 years old, so you'd think some of the younger blokes make way anyway. Um, so I think he does have good job security. Um, he's probably the player that's going to make the most amount of money out of all the downgrade options this week. Um, was I ranking them, or was I just talking about them? Um, just talking about them. So you've got that. Then I think for me... Um, I already have McPherson, but if you need a backline downgrade to free up cash, I would be taking McPherson at 158k over Ben McKay, um, who's 149k. I'm not a super duper fan of somebody who gets five touches um, for a big score, uh, which McKay did. I think it was an 86, and that's like mostly 300 one percenters. Yeah, he, he had a lot of he had 15 one percenters, which contributed to his score, and I've got no problem with him scoring that score, but I have a problem with getting five touches because in another day. You get clean. You get towed up by a forward, and you don't get those fifteen one percenters, and you end yeah. up with five possessions and twelve points. Um, Absolutely, and it kills your cash generation. And watching McPherson play, um, he looks he looks good. JB, like if you have somebody he looked better than what he scored. Yeah, I, I, he got he got scaled down seven points, which hurt because a sixty one felt more reasonable than a fifty four. Um, I think. If you have someone in the crow side with McPherson's ability and you're in a rebuild, you probably play them to see how they go. Um, and he's still at 158k, so you can still make money from him. I think you can still probably get maybe 100k. Um, Will Day, 193k. He looks like he's going to be a really fine player, like a super good player for the Hawks. Uh, my worry is making 100k for him. Um, the job security over this period of time as well, I think he might find himself in and out. Um, of the side because of the condensed fixtures. If there weren't condensed fixtures, I think he would actually play um, so they could you know, get some more games into him because he looks like he's going to be a 200-game player for the Hawks. Um, but I'd probably lean towards passing. Am I just doing a rundown on all of these, JB? you got to stop I, me. I, I just want to hear about Mays and uh, Eggman. Um, I'll talk about Eggman um, first. I actually like Eggman this week because... He's, you know, got a negative 37 break even. 
So he's mm-hmm. still projected to make 50K this week and, you know, 40K the week after. And I think he can still make you 100K as a rookie. And I, I feel like all of these rookies outside Simpson are probably going to make maximum 100K anyway. So he's going to match what they make. But he's also got the ceiling to be able to score higher than they do. So if I... What about Maze? Yeah, so I guess Maze is the one that I've neglected to mention. And that's he's a bit more expensive in the midfield. I'm not super sold on his job security. Um, I mean, you're a Port supporter, so I've left that one on last purposely so that you get to talk about him, so I don't talk for the entire podcast. So please <laughs> enlighten us with your thoughts on Maze. Okay. Um, very tactical of you, Pistol. Um, yeah, uh, his job security is not great. Motlop got injured this week, which means Brady but doesn't push Maze out of the side, so Maze obviously survives. Um, he probably would have anyway based on form someone else might have gone out but Bonner probably comes in for Burton and then it's Burton uh, then it's Mays versus Bonner um fighting for who stays in eventually when uh Burton comes back and then you've pretty much just got Motlop coming back to replace um Mays so like within four weeks he could be out of the squad due due to no fault of his own um he could hold Motlop out for a few weeks but it only takes one poor game or one poor game from the entire team for, for him to go out. Um, the other players on the brink just don't really seem to be getting dropped. Uh, like Pal Pepper's um, not performing great, but he's playing his role. Um, even Todd Marshall, when he doesn't kick goals, he's playing uh, some form of forward tag and, and stopping the, the other team's best defenders. So I think Port are really structured at the moment and, and have their favourite best 22. Um, I don't think Mays is in there, so that kind of makes me think that he's a, not a good option. But I wouldn't be surprised if he played for the next month, for example. If he plays for a month, he'll make 100K as well, and then he becomes a strong trading option. Um, I assume, though, by the way, you've spoken about it, that you would take Simpson above Mays if you had neither? Yeah, I'd take Simpson above everyone this week. Yeah, no, so would I. I think um, for those considering um, Egg Smith, you need to look at where he would be uh, on your on your field. So, for example, if you're putting him at D6 and you're loopholing with someone like Hill, I think that might be a little bit of a waste of money. Um, I'd like if if to consider him. I'd like to see him at um, you know like Hill at eight, D5 and Eggman at D6, and then you get to bench somebody like Williamson or Hamill um, to push one of those much much lower scores off the field. I wouldn't be getting him on just to like loophole with somebody who's got the same or similar scoring potential next question is from Benny he says is JB's one up one down strategy for the rest of the year the best balance of climbing rankings and maintaining cash flow um, or has he just picked up rookies and got no cash flow <laughs> uh, so <laughs> how I mean, is this your one up one down strategy no, like it's, it's you not coined- it's not no, no, no. So what happened was a lot of people were do- doubling down um, and doubling up in the last couple of weeks, but I maintain that one up, one down is um, essentially what I'm going to be doing for the entirety of the season. Um, it's the reason I got ranking early instead of um, Jake Arts that week. So I suppose that's why he said my strategy is because I've really said, you know, stuck fat this year, even gotcha. though, despite the double down thing. Um, to answer his question... I mean, I've got plenty of cash flow, so there's no, no stress there. Um, it's more so 
Um, when opportunities like last week presented itself and I passed on Simpson to go one up, one down, you, you have to nail those upgrades. Otherwise, you do find yourself behind. Like, uh, like I said earlier, I'm, I'm behind pretty much one point and um, X amount of money and I'm now trading in Simpson this week. So I'm suffering for going one up, one down last week, but it could have netted me you know, 30, 40 plus points. And if Simpson... You could have got Greenwood, yeah. you know. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and you, you should have got Greenwood. <laughs> I should have got Greenwood in hindsight, but hindsight's a, a wonderful thing. So um, with all that being said, Simpson also might not have had this good a job security. I, I wasn't expecting more injuries at Geelong, especially someone um, like Joss Howard who never gets injured besides apparently this year. So um, things like that, are obviously a factor in working against me, but I still do think one up, one down um, is probably the best strategy to climb up the ranks um, consistently. It might not be the best to get the best overall rank by the end, considering decisions like last week have gone against me, but to consistently get the, the rank climb, you're essentially betting against people going double double down any given week because you make points that week, and then you should maintain throughout the season because they'll go double up and you're going one up one down the week after so that's essentially the theory behind it but to be I mean I wouldn't use me as an example because I'm not having a great season <laughs> I think uh, yeah you pretty much hit the nail on the head you, you're getting those rookies off the field and if, if it gets to a stage like we've said in previous podcasts where there's an injury you know you're another week behind everybody with less premiums who are getting those um, rookies off their field so if I only have you know four rookies left on the field um, and Chizo has six rookies left on the field. True story. Um, you know, if we both cop an injury, he's not gaining ground on me because he's double downgraded last week, and I've done a one up, one down, and he doesn't have enough trades to trade out the injured player and upgrade to catch up on me. So you know, um, we'll be able to maintain the gap that I have on him um, for a longer period of time. And a shorter period, shortened season means there's just more risk in if you're going to be doing those double downgrades uh, in case things like this happen and with a condensed fixture as well and surprise restings and everything and probably more injuries yet to be seen um you know this is just another thing to take into consideration with your trades and mitigating risk it's good it's good advice for next season as well um for those who are just learning this year and oh my god if you're just getting into it this year i'll, I'll be very surprised if you're back next year but um <laughs> one up one down is yeah it is generally a consistent way um but there are exceptions with like really really good pools of rookies um previous years where we don't have to wait just the two games to have a cash rise and we don't have players such as rankin from the super draft coming in with you know great confidence already in the kid um, it's harder to go early on a player um, in other years because there's obviously more detriment. So it is interesting anyway, but it's just one to keep in the back of your mind when you're making your future trade plans. Um, I'm going to ask the next question. I'm I'm pretty much going to go into you tell me to stop here, Pistol. We've got a few more questions and we're running over an hour already. Um, Al wants to know what we're doing with Devin Smith. So um, I'm personally trading him out this week, and that wow. might be controversial. Yeah, I didn't expect that, JB. Um, for me, I know he's not scoring super well, but still 60s and 70s beats Williamson and uh, anyone else on my side who's scoring in the 40s. Um, it's, it's a matter of I'm trying to get off the worst performing rookies. And, you know, I bought him at 335k, so even if he hovers around his current price of the 380s, it's not the end of the world. And hopefully he can pump out one good score and I can upgrade him as my final piece 
of my side and you know I'll jump on the Fallen Primo um, maybe if Dusty drops or something like that actually I probably don't want to get Dusty this year but um, if someone else has a has a stinker I'll Heard? be able to no, not, not hurt maybe if Michael <laughs> Walters had like a poor game it'd be nice to be able to upgrade him at some stage but um, for me it's yeah I'm getting off the, the, the players off my field that have worse scores and in this condensed fixture as well um I want players that will play. Um, I, I, I've got a lot. I've got too many rookies that may not play, and I would rather prioritize uh, getting rid of those ones than Devin Smith. Okay, so would you like me to justify my trading out this week? I would love you to put an argument behind it. Okay, so um, this year is obviously different, as we've said about four hundred times. If someone can get a counter on how many times we've referenced this year is different to any other year. Um, so I'm trying a couple of different things, and the fact that Devin Smith is owned by 50% of super coaches, that's a point of difference that I actually want to have going against me. Um, he's not scoring well. He's scoring 60s and 70s. He was very lucky to get into the 70s this week with um, a late play that pretty much got him two disposals and a goal after the siren, and it was a tough goal as well. Um, I, I expect him to just keep scoring 60s and 70s with the very occasional ton um, I don't expect much money, much more money from him. Um, maintaining is probably what he'll be doing. Um, and in a week where I don't need the extra little bump to get up to a big premium, I don't mind it either. Um, it keeps a bit of money in the bank for potentially getting someone like Lockie Neal in the coming weeks um, if I do need that extra bump in, in that time. So um, I pretty much want the point of difference against me. And as you said, with getting your weak scoring rookies off the field, I pretty much only have one of those, um, and that's a Williamson slash McPherson loop, which, um, look, this this week it was, what was it, 50-something points? Yeah, Not too bad. Besides that, I've got Curtis Taylor, Isaac Rankin, um, Harley Bunnell, um slash Sam Simpson now, um, and then that defensive loop and um, Stephen Hill, who should be more reliable. So... Um, pretty much my rookies on field aren't shocking. Dev Smith is actually in my bottom four or five scoring players every single week, and um, I'd just rather have that point of difference going against me and spending the money now, whereas um, if he puts out a ton in a couple of weeks, people will just find it more and more difficult to trade him out, and um, he's a type of player that I do not want to be stuck with, um, considering the forward line is looking wonderful this season. So um, that's kind of the explanation there. I've also looked ahead of my trades, and... Um, We'll have five trades remaining at the end of the season if I don't trade Devin Smith um, and probably four or three trades remaining at the end of the season if I do trade him. I'm kind of okay rolling the dice on three injuries at the end of the season, which might seem silly. It's a you know, shorter season, so fingers crossed they get through. But that is kind of the rationale behind it. If you're in a situation like me, I absolutely don't disagree that um, Devin Smith is, is an option to look at at the very least being traded out just to see what your options are. I think... If we do go to a best 18, I actually have no problems with trading Dev Smith because, you know, in a best 18, you want to shark those high scores in particular to make up ground. And Dev Smith, is, if he's going to put out 80s and 90s, like, that's fine, but it very much could be outside your best 18. So it's not. He's adding... not even doing that, though. I think he's had know, four scores sub 80 in the last five. Yeah, it's not, not great reading, and yeah, it's better than a rookie, but if they're not going to count in your best 18 scores anyway, then he's not actually adding much value to your side. So I can definitely see a world in which if the best 18 is announced, um, 
that I would potentially look to trade him to somebody, maybe to Sicily or something uh, via DPP. So um, it's not ruled out, but uh, it's an interesting take, JB. Okay, so would you like to keep on touching through a couple of questions or are we about to wrap yeah, up here? I don't know how many more there are, um, so I'm not looking at it, but if you've got some good ones that you can see that you'd like to hands pick out, um, go for it. Okay, um, I've got Smitty asking if Gould is named this week, um, do we go early um, and select him? which is um, coined as pretty much the JB tactic now considering my ranking move, <laughs> which I will reference as many times as possible. But, um, I, I mean, the only way I can see myself selecting someone like Gould early is if there are two or three rookies that I could see myself wanting next week. Um, considering the poor rookies that there are this week, um, for most people bar myself who still has Simpson sitting there, um, I could understand why people might want to go early. What do you think? Uh, I would definitely take Gould over Eggman if I could just to bank the extra 130k. And Gould's somebody I've been looking forward to watching play the whole season. I think once he gets his chance, I'd be surprised if he pumped out a 20. Um, I think he'd have decent scoring potential. Um, I mean, job security is obviously going to be a worry. Um, I guess it depends where Eggman would sit on your... Um, in your field, you know, if it's a, a D5, you know, him, I, I'd, I'd not want to have Gould at D5, you know, then I've got problems with the job security and risk for the rest of my players. Um, but if it's at a D6 spot, then I, I would be taking Gould anyway. Um, or if it's on your bench, I'd be taking Gould just because you have to maintain that cash generation and banking that extra 130K will allow you to do an upgrade next week um, as well. So that to me is a higher priority and um, you know these two games price, these two games before prices rise, they don't leave much room for error. And if Gould's going to be named this week, I think in the short and condensed fixtures, he's probably going to pop up and get another game, even if he were dropped after one game. So um, I'd, I'd feel confident in selecting him if named this week. I love that answer from you, Fisher. I feel like you're really growing as a super coach. <laughs> um, I've got one more question for you before we sign off. Um, it's from New Guy Let's Go North, which, by the way, I was going to shout out earlier, but you threw me into that question and took over the hosting roles. Um, New Guy Let's Go North is actually ranked number nine uh, in the entire game at the moment. So, Incredible. not a bad little ranking from him. Um, he does ask a question, though, despite seemingly knowing more than all of us anyway. Um, how much depth do you think we will need in our sides? And the most important part, the part of the question that I actually want you to answer, is at what point do you think we should start banking trades? Um, I kind of think never, but it's kind of, it's not really been discussed between us. Um, is there a point where you think that banking trades might become useful throughout the season, or um, are we going balls to the wall essentially and just using them all until they're gone? Yeah, I, I, maybe not until they're gone, but I definitely would be tr using my trades until I upgrade my team. I wouldn't be stopping, particularly if you're ninth overall. You don't want to slow down your um, upgrading. You want to be getting the maximum amount of points on your field every week. Um, and I would only look to not trade if there's legitimately no downgrade option that, that's worthwhile and you'd just be sideways for the sake of it, or if you've finished your team. So... Um, I wouldn't, yeah, I, they're the only two reasons I would would not use both of my trades um, 
there's there's just no need. You basically get through the whole season without without much of a worry of needing trades. You know, if you cop an injury and you have to hold someone on the bench for like three or two weeks at the end of the season, it's not the end of the world. I agree. I from pretty much from when we got told that it was um, seventeen rounds and well now eighteen rounds actually. And um, we're getting five trades in round two. I'd said to myself then, I'll not hold a single trade from now till um, my team is complete. So um, if that means that I've got not enough trades for the injuries that I get, I'd rather go out um, (laughs) swinging than to just sort of play it a little bit timid. And like you said, if you're in rank nine at this point of the season, then you're going for gold. You're trading every single week until you've got the best possible team on the park Um, and then trying to bank the remainders for injuries. So... That will essentially wrap up the podcast. Um, I, I mean, I don't feel like we need to apologize, but if anything was confusing at the start, um, we're, we're pretty much trying to wrap our heads around it at the same time as you guys are. Um, strategies will become more obvious, and as they do, um, as we think about it, we'll, we're going to mention them on podcasts um, starting with Thursday going through. Um, pretty much we're just trying our best to navigate it as you guys are, so... Um, any comments on the podcast would be great and helpful. And um, where can they do so? Uh, you can find myself on Twitter at pistol underscore DRSC. You can find JB at JB underscore DRSC and Chizo with a Z, Chizo underscore DRSC and the main Supercoach page, which is uh, Dr. underscore SC, JB. You said that very timidly. Are you sure it's Dr. underscore SC? You've gotten this wrong in the past. I have. Um, just a quick search. It is Dr. underscore SC um, okay. spelt out. So that's, uh, <laughs> that's I've, I've learnt uh, Excellent. just with everyone else. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Hopefully you have more confidence in, uh, in saying it next week. Um, that'll do us for the week. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. Now we have a short turnaround Thursday game this week. Um, we'll still get on the microphone and podcast. So um, any trades that you can hold off before then um, is probably going to be for the best. And um, essentially, we'll, oh my god, there is one the more thing, JB. That's okay. Go, you, I'm, I'm going to save you now. <laughs> Just for a quick announcement, we do plan to do the Doctor Super Coach Cup. Um, <gasps> we did it last year. I was going to announce this at the start, and then I was like, oh, no, I don't want to. Raging success last year. Um, okay. I think we I'm had two hundred and eight players no 230 players last season and basically it's a knockout competition um you have to sign up to our slack um i think it's the the three dollar tier um and you get entry into the cup and stay in it um as in stay in the patron while the cup is running there was a couple of people that left and then they got kicked out of the cup so it's kind of irrelevant um counterproductive yeah you can't be you can't win the prizes if you're not paying for it because the prizes cost a lot of money. Anyway. They're um, really good prizes. Last year, there was um, Indigenous Guernseys given out. There was an actual cup. There was a massive engraved. cup. Yeah, it was <laughs> yeah, It was huge. It was expensive. Uh, we overdid that, but that was fun. I, I would do oh, that again. We'll overdo it again as well. <laughs> Absolutely. It was it's fun a, just sorting it out. It's a massive knockout competition. So basically, you're in a draw um, and it's every week, win, you survive, you lose, you're knocked out and the winner gets big prizes at the end. What um, happens all, if all I'm knocked out four. or you're knocked out as well, Pistol? If you knock out the podcasters, you do get an additional prize, uh, TBD and what it is this year. have to work that out. We've, obviously, the cup is going to be a little bit difficult with um, 
the fixtures. Uh, it's going to be frantically us updating it manually um, with one day's notice between to try and get the fixtures out. So it's worth it, though. Look, you'll have to yeah bear with us and be a little flexible, but um, we're looking forward to getting it out because it was so much fun last season, and everyone we uh, love getting it out. Yeah, anyone that's already involved in our Patreon has entry into it. So if you'd like to join the cup, feel free to sign up now. Otherwise, we'll be putting out a link with a video and explanation I think tomorrow maybe JB or sometime within sometime within the next couple of days because <laughs> we won't be starting this round but we'll be starting next round so um, round 9 will be the start which is super exciting and um, yeah that's uh, about it JB I can't wait to get it out with you Pistol it's the best thing ever um, okay so that does summarise it I'll try and do a better outro this time thank you very much for joining us we'll be back on Thursday this week and we'll chat to you then.